Hans Christian Andersen once said, most of the people who will walk after me will be children, so make the beat keep time with short steps. Well, welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of Bright Hearth Podcast. My name is Brian Sauve, and I am here with my lovely wife, Lexi Sauve, and our baby, Winnie. Say hi. <laughs> They'll probably hear her at some point. She's kicking the mic. She's eating right now. She's at the <laughs> mommy buffet. So <laughs> nice. we figured it would be appropriate for her to join us here for episode one because the Bright Hearth podcast is all about making productive homes. It's about recovering the lost arts of homemaking and the productive Christian household. Hence the name Bright Hearth. We're trying to make uh, homes that would be warm and inviting and also bright as in, think about Jesus uh, in the Sermon on the Mount when he's talking about what Christians are to be like in the world. They're to be like this city set on a hill. It's all lit up with good works so that uh, the nations would look and they would see our good works and they would glorify our Father in heaven. And so much of those good works are related to the home. They're going to come out of Christian homes that are walking in obedience to the Lord Jesus, that understand what those homes are for, where they're pointed. Amen, Winnie? That's right. That's right. You tell them. <laughs> Those homes are going to understand what they're pointed at within the mission of God, what each member is for, how they relate to each other, and really putting on display the gospel picture that is the Christian family coming out of Christian marriages. So this first season, we're going to be focusing on, very practically, those lost arts of homemaking and the productive Christian household. And our plan is basically to walk through the different rooms of the house as we, you know, focus on different elements of homemaking that relate to those rooms of the house. That's not original to us. I know there's other books that have used that idea, but I think it's a helpful way of organizing your thought as you think about homemaking. But why don't we start in this episode, Lexi, by just explaining what we, what we mean when we say homemaking. What do we mean when we say that word? One of the things we talked about previously was that homemaking is a specifically feminine task. It's not given to men, no matter how much stay-at-home dads want to think it has been given to fathers or um, feminists want to make it that way. So um, I think it's also something that's given to all women, all females of any age or stage or season of life. Mm. Uh, I know we'll talk about this, and we have talked about this in other places. Um, but if you're single, you're a homemaker. If you're a single woman, you're a homemaker. God has made you with a particular domestic bent of some sort. Yeah, Paul, uh, I think one of the one of the foundational texts that we might look at as we're thinking about this is in Titus chapter 2 where Paul is very practically he's teaching Titus who's going to go and plant a lot of churches on this big island of Crete. It's like a 100-mile long island. And he he's he's basically saying as they're setting up churches, train the pastors to train the people to look like this in their households. And he says as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. So he's giving some gendered piety here. Uh, he says, verse 3, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home. And that word is oikodespots. It's like a manager of the house kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So there's something about homemaking, apparently, that 
it's so important that if the young women and the older women aren't working together to make sure this happens, that the word of God might actually be reviled. Yeah, I think it's important to note that it is a vocation given from the Lord. It's not something we get to choose to walk in or not. It's a God-given task, and it it's made up, homemaking is made up of all of the small necessary tasks that are needful in order to love the people in your home and your community well. Practically, it looks like laundry. It looks like food. It looks like making the beds. It's much more than that, though, but that's those are all of like the really, really practical tasks. And I think it's important to note that what you're saying about that word, being a worker at home, um, that's such a strong word for authority in the home. And it's so strong that Pastor Wilson actually says that the husband is to com- be considered a guest in the home because the homemaker has such a strong place of authority. And I like to bring that up because I think a lot of women can become martyrs in the home instead of managers of the home where they start to complain. They start to fuss at their husband instead of realizing God's actually given me authority. I can make decisions to make my job, my life, my home easier. Not not in the sense of like take the easy way out, but is your husband not getting that project done that you want? Are you going to fuss at him or could you just hire someone to do it? Or could you learn to do it? Be a manager in your home instead of a complainer and a martyr in your home. So she's managing the household to make sure that all of the tasks that God has given to the household would actually be completed. And I think... Um, that's a good that's a good note about the the relationship between the husband and wife's authority in the home because the husband is the head of the house he's the head of his wife and that means that he is you know functioning in the home kind of like a general where he's deploying his troops he's making sure that God's tasks for their household are being carried out and then the wife is kind of like his first lieutenant and I'm probably using the incorrect hierarchical terms in mili- even though I'm a military kid. I should know this. Yeah, you this. did do this recently, but I had <laughs> I sh- to correct you. I should know this, but, um, you know, the, the wife is functioning kind of like his deputy where she's, he's making sure if he's doing his job right, it will be very clear to the house. This is the mission of our house. Mm-hmm. This is what we're trying to accomplish, the target we're trying to hit with our house. And so uh, here's how my wife is going to see that vision out in the home. Because often, I mean, he's going to be out pursuing his vocation which is different, provision, protection. Uh, and, and so he's going to be out of the house, going out of the house to bring resources into the house. She's going to be there managing all of these practical elements of the household. So, so what do you think, um, what are some of those domestic arts, just practically, so people have an idea of what we're talking about. What are some of the domestic arts that a homemaker might aim to master that goes into that task? I think it's really different from what a lot of Christians are talking about nowadays because we are specifically looking at productive households yeah, and we're looking at decentralized local churches, which makes the skill set different for the husband and wife in the home. Um, so for me, it does, you will hear a lot of people talking about, you know, teaching young children, cooking food, providing clothing, decorating, but you're not necessarily going to find someone who's saying, hey, young girl, maybe you should go learn how to slaughter a pig. Mm. (laughs) Or maybe you should learn how to sew your own clothes. Or maybe you should learn how to um, gain some mental stamina to deal with really, really hard works, hard work and hard seasons of pregnancies back to back. Yeah, And though it's just different when you are a household. And part of the reason we feel strongly about this is because there was a marked difference in the household. I think it was as of 1933, um, George Grant was just talking about this, 
that was the first time in history that the, um, I don't remember if it, which branch of the government it was, but they started to literally call your household a factory. You were a driveway with a factory. You were no longer a household because they knew that productivity was now outside the home. So prior to 1930, they still understood that the economic basis of a household was in the household, but it was so centralized at that point that it was basically just for entertainment. So the lost arts that we're going to be talking about are things like basic care of the sick, um, productive property that you or your husband might be pursuing, homesteading is one, um, Titus to relationships, living intergenerationally, a lot of those types of things, either the mental or physical organization really does hinge on the homemaker. Yeah. Maybe it'd be helpful too if, if I ask that question again, centered around some of the rooms of the house. Um, and, and, and these will be like big headings that we'll come back to throughout the season as we really focus in. But So maybe what are some domestic arts of the kitchen? that we need to recover. Okay. Yeah. So like canning, making your own pickles. Mm, that's good. <laughs> um, hospitality, just yeah. having people in your home instead of going to restaurants. Mm. Um, or pre- buying prepackaged food yeah. or all prepared. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And those aren't, it's not like a sin issue necessarily, yeah. but you can see there are drastic worldviews at play. The, um, uh, what would you call it? Not the food production industry, but like grocery stores, the feminist movement hinged on there being grocery stores. So feminists could leave their kids at daycares, go to work for the day, pick something up fast that's already made, mm, yeah. and take it home to feed their kids. Yeah, when I food. see that that's what's going on, maybe it's my rebellion, I don't know. <laughs> I want to fight against it with everything in me, and so I make bread yeah. or waffles or you know what yeah. I mean? So, um, yeah. Yeah, and you might even think, so one thing that we'll try to hit, I think, throughout this season of the podcast is to, Thread that needle well when we're talking about issues of wisdom and fighting back against the spirit of the age and the way yeah. that the household has been under attack without anathematizing anybody who yeah. uses a cake mix. No, or, no, no. You know, we're, we're definitely not going to do that because we understand that as we recover these arts, you're not all of a sudden tomorrow going to have no. a fully vertically integrated home no, no. economic uh, relationship where, you know, from the food, you know, where you're growing all your own medicinal herbs and you're here to, you know, but we do want to help point yeah. and say, what's the next step? Yeah. Not to condemn you no. ladies, but to to help, you know, to no. say, maybe you haven't thought about this. So the kitchen, mm-hmm. some things like... Um, canning and food preservation mm-hmm. and food production and how to bake from scratch and um, some of those arts. What about as we're going into the medicine cabinet? You talked a little mm-hmm. bit about, um, you mentioned basic care for the sick. Yeah. Um, just knowing, like not having to rely on on the government, again, on hospitals, on doctors. The household used to be the place where doctors would come right. to care for people. It wasn't having to go to a hospital that was immediately increasing your risk of sickness just by walking in the door, they would come to you or grandmas and aunts would come over and care for the sick or care for the postpartum mom or help you deliver a baby, Yeah, yeah. you know, or, or literally sit with you on your deathbed. Like deathbed hospitality is a huge thing that I'm passionate about Christians recovering. Um, and now we just have hospice care that, yeah, now we have, we, we just pay the professionals to do all of this. And we pay them like $200,000 for two weeks of end of life care. And we wonder why moms are so lonely. Yeah. 
and why they have no support. And I think that's something that Christians don't want to admit because they want to say, just, you know, correct your attitude. Mm -hmm. But really, I think there's something systemically wrong. I don't think we are designed to be alone all the time. And I think one of the big, big things that we could recover is just taking care of more people in our home. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So we're talking about basic care of the sick. And again, th this is not medical advice. We're not we're not telling you don't call 911 when your kid is choking on a Lego or something. Um, but we are trying to, to say, you know, before the, the industrial revolution and the industrialization of medicine and the centralization of care for the sick to just big depots where people are treated kind of like cogs in a factory or units on a conveyor belt. And basically where we're just saying, let's treat symptoms with a lot of drugs and the, the, that industry is connected to government, is connected to food, is connected yeah. to everything. And, and what the, the solution to that isn't like one thing. It's not no. like let's pass a law about you know drugs. It's no. let's actually recover human scaled households, yeah, human scaled, where people are loving one another mm -hmm. and caring for one another and doing so skillfully, where they know you know moms know how to treat the top twenty or thirty common ailments that they're going to see in kids. Yeah. And they and, and they know also in their church who to call when they do, uh, I don't know what to do I've got this rash on this kid yes. and they're this old and yes. man how helpful is it when you so have helpful intergenerational I care. love I love that about our church is that we have we do we have it all the time on our women's thread women are always saying hey I think these are this is what's going on there's this one tricky symptom what do you guys think is going on and how would you treat it I yeah. know I know it saved our family hundreds oh, of yeah. dollars absolutely <laughs> so. We, we even have, and it's kind of a shame, but um, we even have like a neighbor who's not a Christian who yeah. is an older woman, raised yeah. a lot of children. And we're in Utah, so big families even outside of Christian churches because of the Mormon church yeah. are common. So um, we've knocked on their door and said, oh, we need help with this. And mm -hmm. the older woman's come yeah. over. And and it'd be wonderful. And mm -hmm. I think it we'll, we're growing in that as a church and would like to see that continue. Uh, when he's doing her best to try and unplug some vital sound equipment to disrupt the podcast. <laughs> we love Winnie. The podcast exists for people, not people for the podcast, so we don't care if Winnie ruins the recording. Um, okay. And the fact that you're listening to this right now proves that she didn't, if you are listening to it. She didn't unplug it in the middle. Okay, so we've talked about the medicine cabinet, the kitchen. What about... Um, the let's say the bedroom, which is one of the first rooms we're going to talk about. What are some domestic arts related to the bedroom that need to be recovered? And I'm raising my eyebrows suggestively. <laughs> fertility. fertility, fertility, fertility management, understanding. <laughs> yeah, just I think honoring the marriage bed and along with that, honoring your fertility and yeah. just the fact that God, again, God gave you a set number of years to your fertility. You don't need to rush out and have somebody break you, if you will. Mm. Um, or something else we talked about, making babies in bed, having babies in bed. <laughs> I've had some babies on our bed before. You have. And, um, yeah. And people, and really, people used to also die in their beds. Those are all because our household was where the productive economy was oriented, and we don't have that anymore. Yeah, the it's a shame that so much of the, the movement that's recovering fertility awareness and body awareness is like deeply feminist. Oh, it, it's I such could go a shame. On and on about I this. know. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll, we so will. We'll we talk get ahead about of a lot of this. We're we'll talking about fertility. We'll talk about um, the honoring. You know, like when we're we're commanded by the author of Hebrews to honor the marriage bed, keep yeah. it holy. 
So we'll talk about sexual relationship. This isn't going to be like a PG-13 no. podcast or anything, but talk about that well, aspect of homemaking. Well, I think you can contrast it too with what are most, most bedrooms for? Watching television until right. you fall asleep and maybe occasionally having sex. Yeah, right. <laughs> so a Christian bedroom, it's funny because maybe you haven't thought about it like this, but every room of the house should be treated differently if, if we're Christians, right? Christian yeah. bedrooms should be different than the bedrooms of the pagans and uh, that that's definitely part of it. So, what about thinking through different rooms of the house? Um, let's take like the living room, because you just mentioned television. Are we like telling everybody to burn their television completely, or what's <laughs> our? How would a Christian? What are some domestic arts related to the living room? That common life. I was thinking about this earlier, and I was thinking as a homemaker, just about the fact that we are kind of the gatekeepers in our home for truth, goodness, and beauty. And a lot of, at least in our home, a lot of the education of our children has happened in the living room. Yeah. Um, in addition to just hanging out or having people over, playing games and stuff like that. But um, yeah, reading books together. We do watch stuff with them. It's not, doesn't monopolize our time though. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about uh Catechism, family worship, prayer. We have a lot of real art. Singing. In our oh yeah living room. We're bringing a lot of real art back beauty. into our home. Yeah, beauty. Like, what are the things that are catechizing your kids? To me, when I think about that part of the home, I'm thinking of the living room. Yeah, absolutely. Like, when, when your people are in the home, what kind of beauty are they seeing? What's on the walls? What are they singing? What are they hearing? What are they eating? What are they, you know, in the kitchen tables, one related to this as well. Um, domestic arts of setting the table and getting the family to really have the, uh, let, let me put it this way, making the hub of the home, in a sense, the dinner table, the table where breakfast and lunch and dinner, we're getting together in the family and we're really because of you, Lexi, because of your homemaking, the, the, the table can be a center. I, if if not for you, it would be very difficult for me to do that as a husband. So we'll definitely talk about that. Let us let me ask you this. Um, what are some ways that our culture has rejected the woman as homemaker or lowered our cultural view of the homemaker? And what, what, is ha- like what has resulted culturally from that lowering? Like where did that happen? in our history? Where do we start to lose this and what's resulted from that? Like for real, what happened? Yeah. In history, okay. what happened to the homemaker and how, how, how does our culture view the, the homemaker now as opposed to what they okay. ought to? Um, I think the industrial revolution and world war two are two major turning points in history. The industrial revolution specifically because, um, the husband fa- factories kind of came into being as inventions became bigger and bigger. It made mass production more easier. Men could leave the home to work in those factories. Um, which took the woman's job of orienting her mission towards her husband. That's kind of hard to do when he leaves the home. It's not impossible. Yeah. yeah. It is kind of hard to do though. So she didn't really have anything to do at that point. Right. Then comes the vintage housewife era. Yeah. Along with world war two where the woman and we have actual marketers. Um, you can read books like, Rebecca Merkel's Even Exile talks about this. So does that book. Was it Salt, Fat, Sugar? Salt, Fat, wait. Um, salt, Fat, Sugar, I think. Yeah, talks something about like it. that. Um, it was talking about big food. Okay, yeah. 
but I think it was in that book and also Radical Homemakers where there were marketers who were literally trying to figure out how to make it so that women were transitioning from being... It's okay. You hear a bit that baby crying. <laughs> Daddy wouldn't let her pull the plug out of the wall. And she's... She is. She says my, my patriarchy is toxic. She says, get your toxic patriarchy out of here, Daddy. Telling me what to do with, with my body. Should I start over? No, you're good. Just keep going from where you <laughs> okay. are. Okay. This is the bright. This is Bright Hearth Podcast, baby. This is this is homemaking. This is real raw relevant. <laughs> Sorry, Levi, it's okay. Let's go. Um. So, so they were they were they were trying to figure out how to manipulate the the bored housewives. Yeah. They knew that they were no longer producing goods in the home. Their husbands were doing that in the factory. And if we're made by God to actually be workers and have vocations. I personally can understand why they were so bored. Oh, yeah. So yeah. along comes the automobile. Mm. A woman now. She can zoom around anywhere. Yeah, she can do whatever she wants. And they were literally studying her so that she could go be a consumer. Right. So they were marketing cars. The husband had a car to get to work. Now she needs a car so she can go be a consumer so we can sell her goods. She's yeah. not making goods. She still needs goods. We're going to sell them to her. And the internet's made that even more powerful. Yeah, the internet, yes, the internet has made that more powerful. Um, so I think that was, like, as humans created in the image of God who want to work, it was a an accurate problem that they were bored, but it was the wrong solution. The other thing was World War II. Mm -hmm. Women had to go work. Yeah, all the men, this whole generation of men went to war. Yeah, they had to go work and then so many men died during that time yeah, that when they all came, yeah, the most brave, the most masculine, they there was a, a much larger disparity in the population than ever before. Usually there's a 1% difference and I think it was something like 15 to 20% more women now. So they especially among certain ages. Yeah, so ages. so they're thinking like that's where we got Rosie the Riveter, right? right? Isn't that from that time period? Yeah, which by the way, we, we we'll have a sweet T-shirt. <laughs> I'm just gonna plug this right now. Just just shameless. She's marketing. even wearing a head covering. We've got Rosie the Riveter telling you to feed the patriarchy. Yeah, it's gonna be great, so guys. Just check. Just I I don't know where it's gonna be at this point, but you'll be able to to check that out at some point. But you can see where the bored housewife then you know. Yeah. Same time, she's going off. She's seeing she can actually work really hard outside the home. She can right. make a difference not only in her community, but in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she's not going to come home. Andy. She's not going to want to come yeah. home. You know what I mean? That's right. So, yeah. I, yeah. That's good. And again, like as with medicine or with food, we're not telling you, ladies, sell your car to, you know, go home and be like, the podcast told me we got to get rid of our car. <laughs> Uh, that's no, not what we're saying. No, we're, I didn't even saying. think about that. A lot that. of this are society-wide changes yeah, yeah, that yeah. are you can't undo them. You can't hit the back the you can't hit command Z and undo these societal changes. Like yeah. the whole community was transformed around the automobile. So it used to be you had a walkable human-scaled communities, uh, hashtag wrath of non. And yeah. now what do we have? Well, we have mega industrial. You have to drive everywhere. So again, our solution, the solutions we're going to put forward are not going to be one size fits all. They're not going to be ham fisted like get rid of your car no. and just tomorrow start LARPing as no. Little House on the Prairie because we we didn't we don't have the intergenerational work. We don't have the cultural infrastructure. It we can't just do that. We're going to have to live yeah. in the time and God in his wisdom put us in this time. And so he wants us to demonstrate Christian households here. And in, I in think more than anything, I just want people 
to question, not in a deconstruct your faith sort of a way, but just because there is no neutrality. Yeah. I just want them to know why what's happening is what's happening so they can say no when they genuinely need to say no. Right. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. And that was really good. That, that Actually, there were some things you said that helped me think about that in new ways, like the disparity in the men and women after World War II and how that's affected our culture. So let me ask you this. What are some of the garden variety sins that women will deal with that might keep them from being cheerful and fruitful homemakers? What are just some of the garden variety? Like you got to pull these weeds daily, mm-hmm. weekly, monthly, if you're going to be a fruitful Christian homemaker. I think envy is one of the biggest ones with well, women. Good. Um, yep. And it kind of manifests itself in different ways, like envy of somebody else's gifts. Maybe, maybe somebody genuinely is, has a, I don't know what the word is. They just are more naturally domestic and creative. Okay. So, um, sorry. So somebody else might've had a mom that put her in daycare all day and was raised by a single mom. Mm. And so she's going to more naturally despise. She's envying her friend's gifts, yeah. but she's going to despise them and abdicate and do nothing about oh, it. Like, Oh, we don't need that. You're just yeah, LARPing exactly, as a trad exactly. wife. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And it's envy that's doing it's that. It's envy. Partially, it's partially. also, I think I did that early on. I didn't have a growth mindset about my skill set, but I also, I remember sitting on the back steps of our house in Ogden, listening to Misty Winkler talk about turning a profit on your talents. Yeah. And I remember just being so efficiency minded that I didn't want to try and turn a profit because I was scared that I was going to waste your money, uh, your resources, make a mess in my house. Yeah. And so I wasn't going to turn a profit on any of the gifts that the Lord has given me. But I think that envy comes into play when you see, maybe you're being honest, maybe God has really only given you one talent and yeah. he has given your friend three, mm-hmm. but that's to his wisdom and you're still called to turn a profit on it. Um, I think the other thing Maybe this is envy. I'm not sure what this is, but women can despise one another and they can, you know, you've gotten it before. Like, well, your wife makes sourdough. That's legalism. Well, no, maybe she genuinely has a hobby where she loves to make bread. Yeah. Or, you know, some of my other friends are great at knitting. I am not good at that. She's making the most adorable noises (laughs) behind you. That's a great point. People can uh, tend to dismiss the pursuit of rigor or excellence or wisdom as legalism sometimes. So it's like laziness, envy. You're making all the women feel like they have to get up at six in the morning. Correct. I get that. Where's the the Bible verse that says you have? Well, here's the deal, ladies. If you if you have multiple children and you want to get ahead of your day and you want to have a cheerful house, you might have to get up at six in the morning or earlier. Yes. And and it's not legalism. It's just saying like here's some in the same way that I might say, hey, you should wear your seatbelt or you should not drive 150 miles an hour down the freeway. Like there's no verse on that either. It is entirely different when you as a woman, part of my vocation is food. Yeah. When I'm trying to do that vocation well, I don't get to sleep in until seven o'clock and put Eggo waffles in the toaster. I just don't get to. And Um, it doesn't mean again that if there's a a hard night and a kid's up that uh, and you put Eggos in the in the toaster or whatever we the equivalent is for us. We had cereal this yeah, week had, because we've had colds. And even we'll talk about that, like being prepared. And yes. When we talk yeah, about the prepared. kitchen and the table, we'll talk about being prepared for the wrinkles in the plan. Because yeah. we don't want to make perfection. There's another sin. Let me add one. There's a sin that I think is common to homemakers. I think that was me, was the perfectionism yeah, part of it. The perfectionist, that the plan becomes what is, you know, everybody exists to serve the plan now instead of the plan exists to serve the people. 
this is the, the the first cousin of the error where the home becomes like, oh, we're all about beauty in the home. So if the kids touch anything, mm-hmm. there's going to be hell to pay. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. that's not a Christian home. The Christian where the ox where there is no ox, the stable is clean. Mm-hmm. But it's by the strength of the ox that the produce comes in. Yeah. So we're going to need to balance some of these things. What about I think a common sin, you know, as a husband, and I'm not saying like here's a common sin that my wife's always doing or anything like that, but just. I think a common sin as a pastor of households and things like that, that that comes up quite a bit, or it comes up as I'm applying the scriptures quite a bit, is just um, like, I think you mentioned, how did you put it at the beginning of the podcast? You talked about um, instead of being a, oh, a martyr, instead of being a manager, they become a martyr, um, where it becomes like a suffering competition between the husband and the wife, where she's like, oh, yeah. You had a hard day at work? Well, I got up at six and I helped the kid. Do you know how many times the baby was up tonight? Or, you know, like I think one of the common temptations for a wife, a homemaker, might be that um, martyr complex, getting in a suffering competition with with all her friends. Like, oh, you had a hard night? Well, I have 17 children with a cold. <laughs> have you? And four of them were vomiting. And it's like, it's not a competition. I know. I, I, I tell my friends on a regular basis, like, look, guys, we're all tired. Yeah. We're all, all tired. Us. There's no reason, like... <laughs> And they a, all get it. We're yeah. not, they all get it. We're all mature about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, what's your question? Well, I was You're just saying it's about the husband? Adding that to the sins of the home that are common for a homemaker. Okay. I think one of them is that martyr complex mm. where she's just, because she's doing hard work, she's tired. And she, and then instead of being tired and cheerful, she becomes tired and bitter well, or tired and a martyr. I think part know. of it too is you're fundamentally looking at being tired as a problem. Oh, right. But it's not. <laughs> That's not a problem. That's a good but point. But on some, a lot of times, I don't know, maybe this isn't true, but I do think a lot of times women not taking dominion well results in them being more tired than they need to be. Right. Or not Sabbathing. Mm, yeah. That's true. Again, because they're not doing their job right the rest of the Ahead week. Ahead of time. Yeah. And I'm not saying we're not working hard to earn our Sabbath. Yeah. But there are very little simple things that you can put into practice. Yeah. Not to tie up all the loose ends, but so that you can Sabbath. Absolutely. So you're not and this is true of men and women, every vocation is like this. If you're continually playing catch up on everything and you're you're not planning ahead and you're not working with wisdom, you're not ordering your day and being disciplined and exercising dominion properly, mm-hmm. you're just always gonna be harried and frustrated yeah. and running to and fro. And that's where something like this podcast or older women or older men that can counsel you and say, mm-hmm. here's some practical helps to yeah. just order to get ahead. I was uh, listening to some, uh, what, what are they called? Like the IGTV, I think, yeah. videos uh, a few weeks ago on kitchen efficiencies. Yeah. And she was talking about like a typical um, a business floor, I guess you could say. They understand you're never looking for 100% efficiency. I think they're only ever aiming at like 80%. Mm. But she said they also understand that if you go over that max capacity, yeah. like if, so let's just look at the days of the week. If you're working seven days instead of six and resting one, that overtime that you're working, you're only at, I think she said 60% efficiency. Yeah, you actually go down. Yeah, you go down. You get less done. That's good. So um, let me, this is the last, Big question I have, and um, so let, let me give an introduction, and then I'll, I'll ask your thoughts here, because I think um, it's very important for husbands and wives together to understand this, that homemaking is, 
not just something that exists as like a random Christian duty on a list of random Christian duties. All of our Christian duties relate to the missio day, mm-hmm. the mission of God, the way that branches relate to the trunk of a tree. Yep. So the missio day, the mission of God is the glory of God, but it's specifically to cover the earth yeah. with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. This is a promise that you see throughout the Old Testament that the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And one of the key ways that that's going to happen, you see this theme unfold from Genesis to Revelation, is that God is going to cover the earth in his image bearers, particularly his redeemed and renovated image bearers, conformed to the image of Christ, this new humanity, that are now restored to proper relationship with God in his new heavens and new earth, that images his glory, covers the earth through fruitfulness and homes and having children and discipling them and his faithfulness through the generations, as well as the conversion of the lost to the discipleship of the nations to obey all that Christ commanded. And the home, when you start to think about the mission, man, you see how absolutely tectonically central that home is to that mission. Because the home is where people are. The home is where people are made. The home is where people are raised. It's where they're fed. It's where they talk. Most of our life is going to be lived in some vital connection to the home. So when we talk about homemaking, we're talking about something that is central to the mission of God. So do you have any thoughts there, Lexi, as kind of a last um, heading, really, in this episode of the podcast as we relate homemaking to the mission of God? Any thoughts there? or? Well, it just reminds me of what I've been trying to instill in Daphne is that the household is for the people, not the people for the household. And as a homemaker, when we're talking about things like canning and learning to sew your own clothes, it's it's to love the people well. Yeah. It's not to show off your skill set as a wife. Mm. And I think you can tell why are you doing it when those things go wrong? Mm. Like what happens when you have a cold and you yeah. have to use store-bought cereal? When you're in your third trimester. Yeah. And, and you're eating Chick-fil-A every yeah. single night. Yeah. Like what? That that kind of reveals like what is your what is your household for? Yeah. You know, mom, is Lexi. It a, is it a know? tower of Babel yeah, for exactly. your own glory? Or is it a living stone or some living stones in this great structure God's building? And I think to Christopher Wiley in, um, I never remember the title. Is it the Household in the War for the Cosmos? Yeah, have you read that one? Mm-hmm. Okay. He had a really good section there at the end where he was basically saying, I wish I could find it. Um, I haven't quite figured out how to use my notes app yet, but yeah. he was basically saying because because the household is, what the center of society is being held together by. That is where the enemy is going to attack. Yeah. No matter what. Mm. So I don't want to be manipulated by Satan. Like that's That's what I'm thinking. That's right. Yeah. Like literally, and this is where it comes. The rubber meets the road for me. I told you, I don't know if I can kill these rabbits we're going to raise, Oh yeah. but I'm literally thinking in my head, I don't want to be manipulated by demons. I am mature enough to handle this in Christ. I can, I can learn a new skill set. I'm not scared of this. Yeah, you can do hard things. I can do hard things. I can bring a new skill set into my church. That's another cool thing is when you start thinking this way, you're thinking how how is a skill that I'm trying to learn going to serve those around me in my household as well? Yeah, that's really good. Well, let me summarize um, some of what we've talked about in this episode as we wrap up here. We're talking about homemaking and recovering the lost arts of homemaking and the productive Christian household in this season of Bright Hearth. And we've said that homemaking is a vocation 
that God uniquely gives to women, both single and married, that includes all the domestic tasks necessary to love the people in your home and your wider community well. That homemaking is part of how God has chosen to use the unique feminine giftings, the way that he's uniquely made women to be, to fulfill his mission, the missio Dei, to, to, to be fruitful and multiply and cover God's earth in his image. So we've talked about a lot of different arts that are going to be uh, recovered along the way, things that have gone wrong historically. We've talked about homemaking is um, related to the husband's mission and the whole household pointed together for that missio Dei. We've talked about how homemaking is for children, that the home exists for the children, not the other way around. And we've connected this to Titus too. So throughout this season, as I said, we're going to be walking through some rooms of the house, talking about some ways that 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 room can be productive and the arts that will be required to be productive there. Um, But thank you so much for listening to this first episode of Bright Hearth. We hope that you'll share it with your friends. We hope that you'll give a a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening to it. Go give us your most honest, soul-rending five-star review. And we hope that you've enjoyed Winnie's contributions, <laughs> baby Winnie's contributions here. Thank you, Winnie. Hi, baby. To this episode of Bright Hearth, God bless you. May he be with you. May your home be blessed and fruitful in this season. <laughs>